Hey, what's up, family? It's Coach Josh. Welcome to another live Q&A. I know it's been a while, but we're back at it. While everyone's getting their questions together, I'm going to go over Proverbs 22, 29. Uh, it's a verse that I've been wanting to share with you all that I want to take some time to break down so that we'll be able to better understand what it means to be skillful in our work. So if you're watching me for the very first time, my name is Joshua, also, also known as Coach Josh, and my goal is to help you make sense of your life and to help you grow holistically for God's optimism. And after watching this video, like, man, I like this guy's vibe. Go ahead and subscribe because I would love to be your coach here online. But let's get right into Proverbs 22, 29. It's one of those verses that are is paramount for me now. And it's what I use in my coaching now. But it says, do you see a man or a woman skillful in his or her work? He or she will stand before kings. They will not stand before obscure uh, unknown men. I'm going to read it again. Do you see a person skillful in their work? They will stand before kings. They will not stand before unknown men. Now, I love this verse because it gives a lot of principles. It says, do you see? A skillful man or skillful woman is a person you see, but you don't hear. Oftentimes, the people who are not skillful are the people who are not operating. People who got a lot to say, but they don't got a lot to do, right? And so it says, do you see? A skillful person is focused on their craft. A skillful per a person is focused on their purpose. And so many people are missing out on opportunities for generational wealth or being able to leave their inheritance to their children's children because they're not skillful at their work. They're so focused on being seen versus being seen doing what they're supposed to do. It says, do you see a person skillful. I love that. Skillful means a person who's a master. Mastery has become a lost art. We have been mastered and not masters, right? We've been mastered by addictions, mastered by uh, a social media, mastered by people's opinions. We have been mastered versus being masters. See, in order for us to be masters and operating in mastery, we have to be submitted at the master. There was a verse um, that I read the other day talking about Mary and Martha. And while Jesus and the boys was walking, a group of people were walking through a town, <clears throat> Martha invited Jesus in. So Martha invited Jesus in. She had some roast in there cooking. She had some food being prepped. And so while the food was being prepped, she got in her feelings a little bit. She began to see her sister Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. And so she got frustrated. You can almost hear the plates uh, ruffling in the kitchen. You can almost hear the grunts in the kitchen until one day or one moment, she rushes into the living room where they was having a conversation and she got offended. She was like, Jesus, why would you let my sister stay here and not help me? Jesus began to say, Martha, Martha, you are troubled by so many things. But he says, one thing is necessary. And Mary chose it. And he said that what you're trying to feed us, it will go into the stomach and out. But what I'm feeding Mary will never leave her. And so what are we saying? Mary, even though it was counterproductive, even though it was a countercultural, she knew where she needed to be. And so uh, 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 in order for us to operate in mastery, we have to be submitted to the master because the master is going to be the one that's going to teach us disciplines, the intangible disciplines that will connect with the tangible disciplines that will then garner success. Do you see, <clears throat> it says, do you see a man skillful? So skillful, again, is a master. 
a person who is wise, a person who 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 just doesn't do it till they get it wrong. But they they don't they don't just do it till they get it right. They do it till they can't get it wrong. That person is skillful. So my question to you is, what is it that you're supposed to be skillful in? What is your work? It says, do you see a man or a person skillful in their work? See, a broke person, not a person who doesn't have money. A broke person is not a person who doesn't have money. A, a broke person, there's a lot of billionaires who are broke. See, a broke person is a person who's not fulfilling their work. Or if they are fulfilling their work, they're not fulfilling it for God's glory. So each and every one of us have a life's work. The reason why our life is not working is because we haven't found our life's work. We were sent here to do something specifically. We were sent here to do something skillfully. And it was supposed to be our work. The Bible says the person that tills their land will have many bread. What is that saying? That's a principle. The number one thing that you should be uh, pursuing after being pursued by Christ is to pursue the purpose of your life. What is it that you're supposed to do? See, speaking is a skill of mine or speaking is a talent of mine or speaking is a gift. Now, the thing about skillful is everyone was born with a talent. Everybody was born with a gift. But skill is developed over time. See, I was born with a gift to speak. But if I don't practice speaking, I will not be skillful with my speaking. See, I've been gifted <clears throat> to write books. But if I never write a book, I will not be skillful in writing books. I'm, I was gifted to give advice and to coach. But if I don't take the time to be skillful at it, I wouldn't be successful with it. So what is your work? What is it that you've been avoiding? What is it that you've been neglecting? What is it that you say, hey, man, I'll get to it later? No, that's your work. And if you don't work your work, the work won't work for you. And the Bible says, do you see a man skillful in his work? He or she will stand before kings. Who are you standing in front of? Because let me tell you something about the wealth of the wicked. See, the thing about Joseph and Daniel was they were able to be highly successful, highly compensated, because the Pharaoh or the king had a problem that he couldn't solve and none of his other men could. So what is that thing that you were supposed to be spending time being skillful at? What is that thing that you were supposed to be working at that would have put you in a position in front of kings? Kings don't necessarily mean presidents. It could just mean people who are heads of businesses, heads of nations, heads of state or whatever it is that will be looking for your gift, your talent that's, that's mastered. That's so skillful that 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 it affects and it impacts tremendously. So think about that. Like, when, when are we going to get to a place where we say, you know, I want to be a Joseph. <clears throat> Excuse me. I want to be a Daniel. I want to be individuals that's so skillful that they'll go find me in a prison to come holler at me. They'll come find me in a den to come holler at me because they know that person's skill. It says he will not stand before obscure or unknown men. So. Who are you standing in front of or who are you positioning yourself to stand in front of? Are you positioning yourself to stand in front of kings and queens, leaders, people who got wealth, but you got the ideas? Listen, there's going to come a point where every wicked individual is going to have a dream that needs interpreting. They're going to have a problem in their business that going to need interpreting. They're going to have a problem in their nation that needs interpreting. And God has given us the dreams, but he wants us to be skilled with our dreams so our dreams can become reality. So we can interpret the dreams and then turn a king's nightmare into a dream, into a reality that can impact nations. So who are you in front of? 
if you're surrounded by people who are unknown, who ain't trying to be known, not only talking about trying to be known, but they're not masters of their craft, then my friend, it may be time for you to leave. So that's the scripture that I wanted to just put out there in front of you all, because it is our responsibility to make sure that we're skillful at what it is that we're called to. So let's answer a couple of questions and I'm going to get ready to go. I lost my voice. So I won't labor too long. Uh, I think it's coming. Well, nope. Jazz says, hopefully I get to meet you one day, my brother. One day, my brother, for sure. If not on this side, on the other side, for sure, fam. But hopefully on this side, for sure. Jojo Davis says, what's up, Coach Josh? It's Jojo out of Fort Worth, Texas. How do I learn to open my heart and learn to be a giver and stop being selfish, stubborn, guarded when it comes to looking out for folks? Give me one second. Let's read again. What's up, Coach Josh? It's Jojo out of Fort Worth, Texas. How do I learn to open my heart and learn to be a giver and stop being selfish, stubborn, guarded when it comes to looking out for folks? Well, it is not your responsibility to look out for everyone. So I want to make sure that I make that clear. Because what I don't want you to do is start going out there and just feeling like, you know, uh, 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 this, this, this individual that's out there just giving everything, right? But the thing is, you don't open your heart, you open your hand. You don't open your heart to everyone, but you can open your hand to everyone. And what I mean by that, what do you have to give through your hands that can be felt from your heart, but it's not your heart? Because when you open your heart, you open your vulnerabilities, you open your real self. So don't look at it as opening your heart. Look at it as opening your hand. What is in your hand? Because if you use what's in your hand, you will open the seas and then people be able to walk through on dry land. Because what is it that you're supposed to give? The number one thing that you're supposed to give is the hope that's in you. That's Jesus, the, sa the savior of your soul. The second most important thing that you should be endeavoring to give is your gifts and talents. So when it comes to those different things, nothing wrong with guarding your heart. For the Bible says guard your heart, for from it flows the issues of life. So you're supposed to guard your heart. But when it comes to giving, uh, uh, it all boils down to wisdom and secondly also boils down to uh, uh, your gift. So I want you to think on it from those lines as far as what is it gifting wise that you're supposed to give and not be selfish with that. But don't give your heart to everyone. Let that be earned. You see what I'm saying? So when it comes out to looking out for folks, what I would tell people is, did you help them out before? Are these individuals that are good stewards? Number three, did God tell you to look out for them? If you don't feel that unction from the Holy Spirit to look out for them and you don't have it in your peace to give it to them, then you don't have to look out for them. Because sometimes when you look out for people, you end up losing things in your life. Hope to help. Hope that made sense from multiple perspectives. PTL says, hey, coach, does it ever hurt to have an idea and pursue it in faith, even if you didn't hear confirmation? Um. Let me read it again. Hey, coach, does it ever hurt to have an idea and pursue it in it in faith, even if you didn't hear confirmation? Well, my friend, you never want to pursue anything without God confirming it because it just may be a hobby that you're pursuing. Because if you have faith, if you have faith, but you don't have guidance, then you're going to set yourself up to be disappointed. You're going to end up causing your faith to shrink. You're going to end up causing your faith to explode. 
because you're you're basically telling God, not saying you, but people sometimes start telling God, well, I'm going to put my faith towards a thing and hope to hear a confirmation. And then when God doesn't come through, then all of a sudden now your faith is through. So what you got to do is, is say, OK, if it's a hobby, not hobby, if it's a gift or talent, I will focus on pursuing mastery, not movement. Pursue mastery. You say, okay, if it's speaking, if it's teaching, if it's writing, what I'm going to do is before I pursue writing a book, I'm just going to master my gift of writing, my gift of speaking, my gift of words until God gives me confirmation to move in a particular direction. So yes, it's going to hurt. The reason why it hurts is because you're, you're, you're already trying to put boots to the dirt. You're already trying to make things happen. But when you have confirmation, his peace will surpass all understanding. It will guard your heart and mind and you will be able to uh, understand where you are in time and then you will be fine in the process. But if you're pursuing it in faith, you got to examine why you're pursuing it. Is it for validation? Is it for notoriety? Is it for success? What is it for? Because confirmation is worth the wait confirmation is worth the wait. If it's a girl, if it's a guy, if it's a job, whatever it is, it's worth the wait. Because if you don't wait, you might not match it in weight. And if you don't match it in weight, it'll be too heavy for you. Because only God's grace will cause you to carry something that will other people look at it, but I don't know how she's carrying it. I don't know how he's carrying it, but it's the grace of God supernaturally causing to care. There are some things in my life, I'm like, I don't know how I'm carrying a wife, a daughter, myself, dozens of kids at a school, ministry and business, it's supernatural because I'm called to it, right? And so God is supernaturally sustaining me in the process. But you got to wait for confirmation, friend. But if not, man, and then you're going to end up seeing your faith come to an end. Hope they help. TJ Dream says, what's up, coach? Could this be God speaking to me through somebody? One of my coworkers said, I see potential in you. I see you doing something better than this nine to five job. She was a young lady in her late 20s, early 30s. Well, my friend, anything that a person speaks into your life, understand this principle. Anything that someone speaks into your life is confirmation to what you've already heard, sensed, or felt earlier on by God. So, yes, could it be someone speaking to you? Yes, but that right there seems very generic. Not a bad prophecy, quote unquote. It's not a bad statement, but do you see it? Have you ever felt that before? Have you ever sensed God in prayer or in just coast through life or just randomly throughout life feeling God saying, hey, I'm calling you to something greater than this? If so, it's confirmation. But what I would do is I wouldn't leave my nine to five pursuing that. Keep being a good steward over that job. Right. But could it be God speaking? Of course. Of course. Uh, um, and so in the meantime, just anytime you hear something from anyone, put it on the shelf. Put it on the shelf and let God confirm it as many times needed for your faith to grow. Hey, Nicole, great lesson. Tonight. God gets the glory. Thank you. GS INC says, what should believers do after they've committed sin? Embrace your righteousness in Christ. Embrace that. When you've committed a sin, run right back to your heavenly father. He loves you. His arms are open. So what you do is you confess your sin. You confess immediately. I don't care if he did it 10 seconds ago. Father, I repent for my sins. I confess my sins. I repent from them. 
Lord, help me to turn away from this. Then you got to take some time to, uh, if you're not there yet, understand the righteousness of Jesus and what Jesus imputed righteousness did that on the cross, he took all of my sins and gave me all of his righteousness. So now when I stand before the father, I stand as if I've never sinned. The blood of the lamb is on me. He sees me as his child. And just like any person that's been a parent or is a parent who is patient with their child, it gives you some level of inclination or understanding of how God is. Me having a daughter is showing me so much about God now. Now, me and God's relationship is even more tighter now because I'm like, man, if you love me a billion times more than I love my daughter, then fail. So when I make a mistake, man, I run right to him. As, as a father who loves, a father who's patient, a father who understanding. So after you committed a sin, I want you to run to God who in paint a picture in your mind of him being a loving father, an understanding father, a patient father, a father that knows that it was that, that he knows what's going to take for you to get to whatever place he desires you to be. But if you get so focused on your sin, then you're not going to win. If you focus on righteousness, then you know what you will know what the right to do. And so maybe it may be time for you to do a deep study on Jesus' righteousness and what does it mean to be in right standing for the God. That doesn't mean you continue to sin. Oh, I'm just going to keep sinning because God going to love me anyway. No, 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 no. There's consequences still of sin. God will save you from your sins, but he doesn't always save from the consequence of those sins. So you got to still put some respect on sin and, and there's consequences. But most importantly, put some more respect on God. For the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. So you got to look at your life in that particular sin category and ask yourself, where in this area do I lack reverence for God? Where in this area do I lack understanding about God? Where in this area? And then ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me. And then all of a sudden you go from sinning all the time to sinning sometimes to sinning often to sinning rarely to not even being in that sin at all. Hope that. Hey, Elena, hope you well. Ty Ty says, hey, coach, I am talking to a man who lacks empathy. He wants me to be open with him. However, when I do, he gives, gives blunt responses. Do you have any advice on how to articulate how I feel? Well, it may be time for you to leave that individual with all due respect. If that ain't your husband, then you got to know your standards. <clears throat> you got to know your non-negotiables. You got to listen. Listen, if, 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 let me read this again. I am talking to a man. Okay, you talking, so you're not married. Good. I am talking to a man who lacks empathy. Listen, nobody wants to be in a relationship with someone that lacks in certain categories. If a man lacks empathy and he's blunt with his responses and you're just talking, my friend, it's only going to get worse when you get married. He's wanting you to do something that he's not able to do, my friend. That is unequally unbalanced situation that you're a part of. He wants me to be open with him. However, when I do, he gives blunt responses. Do you have any advice on how to articulate how I feel? Well, what I would do is this. First off, the first question you got to ask yourself, did God confirm this man for me? Now, I want you to go back a few years, few months, or a few weeks before you met this guy. And I want you to examine your heart posture before you got in a relationship with this individual were you impulsive were you impatient how was how was your relationship with god thriving or was it barely surviving what was the state of your life and your relationship with god before you got with this gentleman that tells you everything you need to know 
because that is not the environment, that is not the climate, that is not the culture that God uses to speak to you and then lead you to a man. When you look at that evidence as raw it is, is and you and you say and you see that if you wasn't close to God when you started this thing, if you wasn't you know uh, 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 strong in the things of God, or if you felt that you was impulsive or impatient or eager for love, or it started off in compromise, then my friend, that gives you a lot of clues that this guy may not be for you. Because you don't want to be in a situation because wherever a man lacks, the Holy Spirit got his back. Wherever a man lacks, the Holy Spirit has his back. I'm not, I'm talking about a guy who is endeavoring to grow in the things of God. He may not have the same empathy as you. He may not same have the same capacity in certain areas, but he is going to have some basic level of, of respect, honor, understanding, and willingness. Now, if he's an overall good dude and God has confirmed it, and I don't know how your situation was, I don't know what type of conversation it was, because it could be understanding men that based upon how you approached them, it may have garnered a response, right? Right. But let's say this is a man that's that's going through a rough patch. Let's give you another side of the coin. If this man is going through a season of his life where his life is full, and you are bringing a lot of full stuff to his table and you're noticing and you've noticed that this man got a lot going on. Right. Then, then there could be a way to approach. But I don't have enough details. And so is his life great? His life is good. And this is just his personality. This is just his temperament. If that's the case, then that, that's a bad clue right there, my friend. That's at least a, a, a yellow to a red flag there who lacks empathy. And then when it comes to you open up, he gives blunt response. My friend, you don't got time for that. So right now, while you're talking, it's time to communicate how you should be treated. And if you have been mistreated because you didn't know how you should have been treated, then now it's time to go back and get, get treated by the Holy Spirit and take a break from this relationship so that, until you know how to teach people how to treat you. And so what I would do is this one last shot of communicating or articulate how you feel. What I would do is I would write a letter to him and say, hey, last time we talked, man, I just don't feel like we, we um, communicate well at this juncture. But I'm going to write you. I'm going to write to you how I feel, how he responds to your words on paper, because words on paper don't have emotion. They, they can be felt, but it's not emotional as in a face-to-face -face conversation. So if you write on the sheet of paper and he's still like that with your words, then my friend, you heard it here first. Leave that guy on the curb. Hope that. I definitely see it. Good, good. I've been uh, stressing with coming, becoming, yeah, take, success takes time. You have to become successful before you are successful. Aries says, hello, hey, coach. Hello, coach. Can you just pray for me? Sure, Aries, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for my sister. The anointed in me that destroys the yoke is connecting with her need. And I speak life into her, Lord. I speak strength into her, Lord. I pray favor surrounding her like a shield, Lord. I, the tears that may be well up in her eyes, Father, I pray that her presence is felt by you, Lord, that she'll, that she'll know that you are with her right now, whatever her need is. I thank the Lord for your peace being a confirmation, letting her know that she is all right and safe in your arms. And we appreciate you, Father, and giving me this opportunity 
to pray. If I come against every demonic spirit, anything that's warring against her mind, loose her mind right now in Jesus' name. Let her go. Whatever root issue, anything that's bothered, I command to loose her now in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for that authority. We appreciate it. And we give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Been out of high school since. Okay, I got you. How can I get God's input on a guy like you? Well, great question. Um, if you can't get God's input, God gives his input when his input is supposed to be given. So if you haven't gotten an input from God, then don't put yourself in a situation with that guy. Oftentimes we treat God, not saying you, but a lot of people treat God as their butler, as their maid, as the person that does things for them. And so uh, God's on standby to do things for us, right? That's not how God rolls. If God hasn't given input, then don't put yourself in. So if you like this guy, you got to ask him, do you like this guy more than you like God? Do you like this guy more than you love God? Are you more caught up in this guy than you are God? When was the last time you was in your word? Was it the last time that you had googly eyes towards God? When was the last time that you was lost in his presence? When was the last time that, that or did, did this guy come into your life? All of a sudden now you got lost again. I'm just speaking. I'm not saying it's your situation. This is for anybody else who's listening. So you got to ask yourself those type of questions and you will begin to see why God is silent. Because God's words do not compete if ears ain't trying to uh, hear. And so if he already knows that you're gone and, and you're waiting on him to say something, my friends, he, he, he probably not going to say anything. And the goal is, is like you got to pause your like until you see the light, until you see God, until God confirms it. So you can't get God's input. Now, the only way you can get God's input on demand is going into the word. <laughs> That's the only time you can get God's input on demand is going to the Bible. But if you want that input in real time uh, uh, situations like this, my friend, he ain't going to give it to you until he wants to give it to you. And you can't force him to give it to you. You can't pay enough tithes to give it to him. You can't you can't pray long enough for him. There's nothing you can do to make God say something if he knows that you're going to idolize the thing that he speaks. See, the reason why God don't speak all the time is because we don't know how to handle things. What happens is if God spoke and said that man is yours and your heart's not right, you're going to flood right into idolatry. So God don't speak because there's power in his words and his words will not go beyond his integrity. His words will not go beyond his character. Hope to help, my friend. I feel I'm running out of time. Man, 25, you young. I'm 37. 37? 38, something like that. Well, I'm about to be 38. Man, I'm young. You're not running out of time. I thought that too at 25. No, man, you're, you're, man, enjoy your time. The 20s is just extended teenage years. Get to know yourself, get to know God, build a foundation, master your craft. You're not running out of time. Most solid businesses and successful entrepreneurs and individuals. Didn't really make their money until later, until late 30s, early 40s, 50s, and 60s. So you're actually early. You're not on, you're not, you're not out of run out of time. Uh still living with my mom, no car. I was there at 25, living with my mom with no car, too. Family, look how I turned out. You're right on schedule, my friend. And, and you in company, you in, a, you in a company of some greats because this right here, the struggle, is gonna teach you so much about success. Don't be embarrassed. Then with your mom, I stayed with my mom until I was 27 years old, 28. 
I didn't really, I didn't get my first car. I had a car when I was in high school, but my car, my car got broke down. But I didn't have, I didn't get my first newer, my other car until I was 28, 20, 27, 28. Yeah, fam, stay encouraged, man. Coach been through it. Shoot, stay, stay, say, what you do is you stay with your mom, give your mom some money, help your mom out, stack your money, save your money, spend time with God. Man, you don't got no wife. You don't got no children, man. You can spend time with God. You can start cultivating those ideas. You can get those ideas off the ground because you're not paying full rent. Your mom ain't going to probably charge you but $300 or $400 to stay with her, possibly. And if you're making, you know, full-time money, man, you saving $800, $700, man, that's a good situation. I'd rather be embarrassed with money and stacking it than to be looking like I got all together and pinching pennies. You're so welcome, Aries. September's pastor, there are some people who met their spouse outside of engaging in their purpose, such as the Tinder dating app. Do you think meeting our future spouse is only possible like how you met your wife? I can't say that's 100% sure, but I can to a degree say it's 98% sure because I know God enough. What I mean by that is this. Can God use a dating app? Yes. Can God? Who am I to say can, what God can use? But let me tell you something about your purpose. Purpose gives you perspective. Purpose gives you boundaries. Purpose gives you understanding. And so, yes, you can meet your husband or wife outside of your purpose. But, man, um, I think the situation is best, not how me and my wife met. I'm not saying you're going to be in a building or a facility. I'm not saying you're going to be, but it could be at the airport. It could be at a venue. It could be an event. But what I'm saying is when you know who God is and you know yourself, and you know your purpose, then you have a better chance of being in the proximity of your person. Because how can you know your person if you don't know your purpose? Now, if you're on a dating app and, and you do all that kind of stuff and you have no clue what your purpose is, then chances are you're not going to find your husband that way. <clears throat> chances are you're not going to find your wife that way because you're out of order. God does things in decency and in order. God gave Adam an assignment before he gave Adam an assistant. And so if you don't know your assignment, you won't know what you need assistance with. Mm. If you don't know your assignment, how will you know what you need assistance with? For instance, I didn't know that my wife was skilled in the very things that I need assistance with. For instance, when I first had my Bible study, um, I thought that I was going to be an itinerant preacher. I thought I was going to travel the world and all that kind of stuff. I didn't know that God was going to have me in the schools. And my wife was actually a teacher. She was actually a book editor. She was a person, a woman who had ideas for programs for children. And I didn't know that I was going to be in the schools for the last seven years. So the more I knew my assignment, then my assistant was like, whoa, clear as day. So I'm not sitting there saying you're going to be making millions of dollars in your purpose before you meet your person. But what I am saying is, is that, man, if you don't have a clue what your purpose is, you ain't going to be able to select the right person. And if you don't know yourself, you won't even know your wealth. And then you just be throwing this stuff off the shelf to anybody. And all of a sudden now you got so many bodies that it's hard to find anybody because you don't know uh, who you are. Hope they help. You're so welcome, Ty Ty. You're welcome, family. Facts, I'm doing that with her now. There you go. Man, ain't nothing wrong with that, man. Everybody who looks like they're further than you is actually behind you in most cases. Last one, I got to go. Urban says, I feel like God is telling me to move to a different state. 
How do I know if any confirmations are actual confirmation or just me reaching? Great question. Well, check your heart. Ask yourself, hey, man, why do I want to go to this city? Was I minding my business? The city dropped in my spirit. Uh, where am I in my walk with God? Uh, let me tell you something about God's confirmation. He will confirm it and he's patient with his confirmation. God will confirm it as much as needed for your faith to grow and for your faith to flow. But let me tell you something. If it's time for you to move to a state, move somewhere, it will be seamless. It will be it will be like no bumps. It'll be like the children of Israel going from from point A to through the C to point B on dry ground. I tell you that much. Crooked paths will be made straight. Provisions will be made out of the way. It will be supernatural. And sometimes growing in faith is not knowing. Growing in faith is just waiting on God to start showing. That's how faith is. And sometimes if we tell you to move to a state, you will feel the unction. You will start seeing things open up for you. Doors will be opening. Doors will be closing. The nest will get wrestled in this place, make you uncomfortable. Then all of a sudden you're going to be moving forward. And so what I would do is no rush because God's never late. He's going to always confirm. He's going to always let you know. And But I promise you, he's not going to leave you out there uh, with no with nothing. He's going to provide. He's going to make that crooked path straight for you. It's going to be so seamless, and, and it's going to be just beautiful process and, and, and transitioning. Thank you, India. I don't even know what bars I said, but we be spitting over here. <laughs> Love y'all so much. I got to go. Check out some resources that I have. Uh, check out my latest book, Multipurpose, How to Find and Fulfill Your Purposes in Life. Also, check out our merch, Well Done. If you're struggling with soul ties and strongholds, this book, The Purpose of Freedom, will be a great resource for you. If you're struggling with a person, I've had a couple of questions here where you have a person that you're not sure if this is the right one or not. You don't know if you guys confirmed it or not. This book, Counterfeit a Counterpart, will be a great resource for you. Facts over feelings will be a book for those who wrestle with their feelings. They want to find the facts so they can get back to feeling their purpose. This book, The Holiness Journal, will be a great resource for those who really want to hold the things in their life well. Uh, the Purpose of uh, Singleness is a great book for those who are single and want to better understand their purpose uh, in their singleness. Dating Prep is a great dating tool for singles, couples, and married individuals to be able to uh, 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 just keep the relationship thriving. If you have young people and you want them to start their art early, this book, as he says, would be a good book for them. Got a book on spiritual warfare, World War Me. Also, I have two uh, coaching programs. If you're at a place right now, and I want to invite you, if you're this individual, if you say, hey, man, I want to be mentally clear. I would like to be mentally confident. I want to get to a place where my mind manufactures creativity at a high level. Coach, I'm in a cluttered place, and I want to get to where my mind is operating at a high level to join my resilient coaching program. We start in January 8th. I'm giving you guys some time. January 8th, if this resonates with you, you're like, man, I want to be a part of a mindset program and I want to just get my mind together. Or, or if you're just in a place where you just want to just master it, you want to get it uh, uh, in shape, then check out my resilient mindset program on my website, mycoachjosh.com. Let me post that link there. And I'm also looking for 10 to 15 individuals that really want some deep mentoring. I'm looking for 10 to 15 Men or women who are looking for deep mentoring. I'm talking about individuals who are to a degree successful or on a way to success, but they want to make sure that they're holistically successful. They want to make sure if you're single, you want to make sure, hey, am I installing the right methods and principles for family, for God, 
for health. If you're a person who is married and have children and you're losing your family, you're like, man, I'm losing my connection with my daughter and my son. I'm losing my marriage or I'm not really skilled at relationships and, and communication and it's affecting my marriage. My walk with God is not strong. And you just want mentoring and iron sharp as iron and join my fulfillment, uh, my uh, fulfillment uh, program. I have two versions, a six-month program for those who want the extensive. But if you want that 12-month, year-to-year walking with me, that mastermind where we'll meet in person and, and we'll be able to do some things together, retreats, all that kind of stuff, uh, uh, really beginning to take our fulfillment to the next level. Then I got my Fulfillment Elite program as well. I'll go ahead and post that link there. All the links are in my description box below. But I'm looking for that Fulfillment Elite program, especially 10 to 15 people who's like, yo, I'm ready to invest in myself, to bring the best out of myself, and to be able to give my best of myself to all those who, who are uh, deserving of it. And so if that resonates with you, let me know. Uh, the programs are ready to go January 8th. Look forward to serving you all. I'm going to give you guys some time to ask questions. And, and uh, if you need to get on a call with me to find out more about the program, let me know. I'm here to serve you all. Uh, I would never thought to go to this state. Thanks for the advice. You're so welcome. If you don't know yourself, you don't know your wealth. If you don't know your purpose, you won't know your person. This speaks volumes. So I'm so glad it does. I got to answer your question now. Question. I've met someone who asked to marry me. He lost his wife and I lost my husband. But his preteen and teenage daughters are disrespectful. What do I do? Great question. Well, come in with empathy. First off, count the cost. Ask God, is this what he wants you to do? Because God's grace is sufficient. God's grace will help you handle it. But if this ain't the will of God, my friend, and, and you're not 100% sure that this is what God wants, then you could be walking into a situation that you're not graced for. So it sounds good, but you got to make sure it's from God. But when it comes to the, you, why y'all are together, how to handle disrespect from daughters? Well, first off, you got to communicate to the dad. Is the dad allowing the disrespect? Is the dad... Is a dad checking them? Is a dad is a dad just letting them get away with a bunch of stuff because the loss of their mom and he feels whatever and he doesn't feel like he could be that that strong and maybe he feels like he's swinging all the way to nurturing mode and not really being uh, uh, that balanced uh, uh, or that 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 harmonized man that's harmonized by the Holy Spirit to help him do what he needs to do with that void going. If those things are not in place, my friend, and you got an uphill battle, but what you do is keep walking in love. Keep walking in love, but but make sure you don't walk into so much love that 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 you want to start shoulder shove and stuff like that. What you got to do is say, okay, you know, tell, talk to the young man, talk to the man you're talking to, and say, hey man, I don't like when your daughters do X, Y, and Z. Can we have a conversation with them? Go, can you talk with them? But my advice is, hey man, you got to find out from God first. Because if you don't find out from God first, man, then this may be something that 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 may be too much for you to be a part of. But you walk in love with them, understand their heart. They probably they probably upset with you <laughs> uh, because, you know, they miss their mom. So that's understandable. But just keep walking in love. And, and, and the Holy Spirit will know when we give you the guidance on when to kind of back away or not back away, but kind of, you know, uh, oh, my time to go. You know what I'm saying? That kind of stuff. Um, but I hope they help. Love you all. Got to go. Y'all be blessed. Catch y'all next time. Peace.